0: And now, here's a word from the Lord. This month, the Lord has put in my heart for us to focus on be strong, be strong, be strong. And so a couple of weeks ago, we launched a teaching series entitled Be Strong, Five Keys to Gaining Spiritual Strength in Tough Times. Five Keys to Gaining Spiritual Strength in Tough Times. So first Peter chapter five, verse one, the, the entire text really is verses one through 11, 1 through eleven. But I'm going to read. I tell you what, I'm going to read verses five through seven, because really, I believe that's our focus for today. Verses five through seven. Likewise, ye younger submit yourselves unto the elder, yea, all of you be subject one to another. And be clothed with humility. For God resisteth the proud and giveth grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. Here's our focus for today in in particular. Casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Amen. Amen. I want to try and label this particular message Uh, very simply be strong against anxiety be strong against anxiety this previous Thursday we shared be strong against pride and focused on verse uh, verses five and six uh, or verse five but today we want to entitle this one be strong against anxiety be strong against anxiety so once again y'all once again we have embarked upon a series of preaching and teaching Uh, Entitled Be Strong Five Keys to Gaining Spiritual Strength, Uh, to Gaining Strength in Tough Times. Today we are sharing uh, a second point of the second key, all right, which is dealing with intergenerational relationships. Intergenerational relationships. Because intergenerational relationships help us gain strength in tough times. And Peter acknowledged his brothers and sisters to whom he writes in this letter. He acknowledged that they were in rough, tough times. They were scattered abroad because they were persecuted. And another way to look at being persecuted, especially in their context, is they were hated. They were hated. People hated them because of their allegiance to Jesus Christ and ran them away from where they were living to being scattered and settled throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. It was so dangerous for them to live for Christ they had to flee and scatter as, uh, as grains of salt shaken from a salt shaker. Their lives mattered too, but they're hated. They followed Jesus and simply wanted to be treated as if all men were created equal and endowed with unalienable rights by their creator, but they're hated. They wanted life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, but they're hated. They wanted as much as possible to live at peace with all men, but they're hated. Living as hated people can get to you and weaken you if you allow it. Peter envisioned them being strong. Look at verses 9 and 10 of our text for today. 1 Peter 5, verse 9, in the New Living Translation, it goes like this. Stand firm against him and be strong in your faith. Then in verse 10, verse 10, New Living Translation puts it this way. In his kindness, God called you to share in his eternal glory by means of Christ Jesus. So after you have suffered a little while, he will restore, support, and strengthen you. God wants us to be strong. Peter wants his audience of hated, scattered uh, followers of Jesus Christ to be strong. But what does it mean to be strong spiritually? And as we launched this, this teaching series, I shared with you that being strong spiritually simply means that God's will prevails over my will. I surrender my will to the will of God in all situations. He gives me commands and I'm strong enough to obey. His will prevails over my will. I do what he wants me to do even when I don't want to do it. His will prevails over my will. I say what he wants me to say even when I don't want to say it. That's, listen, his will prevails over my will. That's what it means to be strong spiritually. His will prevails over over my will. So Peter wanted them to be strong spiritually because the enemy he told them the enemy the devil sought to devour the weak and he gave them keys to spiritual strength. One of the keys, the first key that I shared with you a couple weeks ago, is relatable leadership. And he encouraged the elders, the shepherds of the flock, to feed the flock or to to tend to the flock, to lead the flock, to guard the flock, to to direct the flock. Right. So then we went over that a couple of weeks ago. And another key is I'm sharing with you today is interpersonal relationships. And what, what we want to see is through interpersonal relationships, uh, people older than us and younger than us, we can gain strength in tough times. So first Peter, chapter five, verses five through seven, he says, likewise, just as the uh, elders or the shepherds of the flock of God are to submit to the chief shepherd. Likewise, the younger should submit to the older. And all of you, all of y'all, whether you're young or not as young as you used to be, uh, all of y'all be subject one to another and be clothed with humility. For God resisteth, sets himself up against the proud, but he gives grace, unmerited favor, unmerited help from God getting involved to the humble. Humble yourselves then so God can help you. Humble yourselves then so that God does not resist you or oppose you. Verse 6 Peter says humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time casting all your care. All of y'all, y'all young ones, you, you, you older ones, all of y'all, as you submit yourselves to one another, as you endure tough times, all of y'all, cast your care upon him, for he careth for you. Again, Peter exhorted the younger to submit to the elder. Strength was to be gained through mutual submission. Yet there was to be a mutual submission in which everyone could help each each one find strength to resist the devil. Peter's exhortation goes beyond the young and elder simply spending time together. There is to be a fellowship where the younger are submitted to the elder. The elder submitted to the younger. All are humbling themselves and helping one another grow stronger. Each generation needs the other generations. We need to know the timeless principles that worked in the past. We can learn a lot from people who came up through segregation and Jim Crow. We need to know how times have changed, though. And some of us are oblivious to the challenges young people now face to include the new Jim Crow of mass incarceration of today. So this past Thursday, I shared intergenerational relationships help us to be strong against pride. Today, we will examine how intergenerational relationships help us to be strong against anxiety. So what does Peter mean by cast all your care, cast all your care upon him? In verse seven, that word care, when he says cast all your care upon him, he's talking about our anxieties. Our concerns, our, our worries over what is to come. Peter understood that his audience would, would probably worry or get anxious about stuff that hasn't happened yet. They have a very uncertain future, a very uncertain future. So, so his concern was that his brothers and sisters were anxious as they faced a very uncertain future as followers of Jesus Christ. Their lives have been disrupted. They've been chased away from their homes. They've had to literally flee for their lives. They've been uprooted from their homes and are now, as Peter describes in chapter 1, verse 1 of this book, which bears his name, they're strangers scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. And anxiety, y'all, anxiety ain't nothing to play with. Anxiety is a powerful reality for many of us today today. This current pandemic is wreaking havoc on people everywhere. Our lives have been dramatically disrupted as a result of COVID-19. And the CDC even acknowledges, and I quote, fear and anxiety about a new disease and what could happen can be overwhelming and cause strong emotions in adults and children. Public health actions such as social distancing can make people feel isolated and lonely and can increase stress and anxiety, end quote. People in North Carolina who and some of them actually experienced an earthquake last night. We want to keep them in prayer. But people in North Carolina are really catching it during this season. According to WECT News in Wilmington, North Carolina, the North Carolina Department of Health and Human Services reports that symptoms of depression and anxiety have tripled during the current pandemic. People are trying to cope uh, with drugs, alcohol and opioids WECT, that same news station, also shared the Kaiser Family Foundation has conducted a poll this past April and found that 45 percent of respondents report their mental health has deteriorated due to worry and stress over this virus. Forty five percent. But anxiety is not only real for North Carolina residents, it's real for all of us, isn't it? The disruption, isolation, children returning to school or transitioning to online learning. Economic upheaval, uncertainty of how long this is going to last and what all we may lose before it's over, if it ever ends. Loved ones in the hospital that you cannot visit. Funerals that you cannot attend. Sick and grieving loved ones you cannot support. Brand new grandbabies you cannot hold. Vacations you've had to cancel. Some, of, some folks are finding all of this extraordinarily overwhelming. But the last thing you and I need is for anxiety to get the best of us. Unchecked anxiety can can really do a work on us, and and, and unchecked anxiety reminds me of a dog I had when I was a boy named Lucky. Uh, we had brand new carpet throughout the entire house to include our basement. And, and Lucky was left in the basement unattended overnight in the laundry room. And the laundry room didn't have any carpet. And there was a door that separated the laundry room in our basement from another room. And so the laundry room had no carpet, but there was another room on the other side of that door that had brand new carpet. Lucky wasn't studying no brand new carpet. Left unattended one night, he, his, his claws or his mouth or something got a hold to that carpet, and it was he, he got a hold to the end of it right up under that door, and, 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 and we woke up the next morning. My mother discovered, and she said, you know how much trouble I was in. My mother discovered how lucky he tore up that carpet. It, it was frayed and all of that for about a, a good six inches or so away from that door. He had somehow got a hold of that carpet and was just working it throughout the night because he was left unattended. And my mother was furious. Lucky was lucky earned that name because he was lucky he was still our dog after he had done that. He was lucky he was still in the house even after he had done that. But that's what unchecked anxiety can do to us. It can get a hold of the carpet of our well-being and the carpet of our peace and the carpet of our joy and can just tear it up. The enemy can use anxiety to weaken our immune systems, thus making it more difficult for your body to fight certain viral infections and diseases. You and I must be strong against anxiety. We must be strong enough to move on through uncertainty, certain that God will take care of us. We We must move forward with God's peace knowing he can see us through tough times. God can see us through this. You can make it through this. You can make it through isolation. You can make it through a positive COVID test result. You can make it through the racial craziness, the political madness, the messy media. You can make it through unemployment. You can make it through homelessness. You can make it through a divorce. You can make it through this. You have a cloud of witnesses who will tell you, don't worry, you can make it. So be strong. Be strong. Put your face mask on and be strong. Wash your hands constantly and be strong. Practice social distancing and be strong. Take a deep breath and be grateful that you can inhale and exhale with no assistance and be strong. Boost your immunity system and be strong. Get some vitamin D from direct sunlight and be strong. Take some zinc and be strong but even more so arm yourself with the word of God and be strong so what do we do about anxiety understanding how how much of a beast anxiety is what do we do Peter already told us what to do It's right there in verse number seven he says casting all your care upon him that's what he told us to do and when Peter shares that in verse seven of chapter five of first Peter He is actually sharing a revision of a verse found in Psalm 55, verse 22. Psalm 55 and 22 from the New Living Translation says, Cast thy burden upon the Lord, and he shall sustain thee. He shall never suffer the righteous to be moved. So when Peter says cast, when Peter says cast, he is telling us to take our worries about our uncertain future and deposit those worries with God. It is to be a direct and once for all committal to God of our anxieties that can eat away again, y'all, at the carpet of our peace and well-being and faithfulness to the one who holds our future in his hands. I wonder how many of you have ever traded in a car. Or how many of you have ever sold a car? I've traded in a couple cars in my lifetime, and once I trade that car in, I'm not going back to get it. I've sold one car one time, and once I sold that car, I was done with it. I didn't go back to get it. I may have jumped in another car, a new car, a newer car, a better car, and I went on about my business. That's basically what Peter is telling us to do. This is how we are to deal with our fears, our worries, and our anxieties. Cast them, deposit them in God's hands and move on with His will for your life. It's what some of our older saints would say, would mean when they would say, take your burdens to the Lord and leave them there. So how do we do this? How how do we cast our cares upon the Lord? Paul can help us really when we when we get nosy and eavesdrop on a letter that he's written to the Philippians. Philippians chapter four, verses six and seven can really help us in knowing how to cast our cares upon the Lord through prayer. Here's what he told the Philippians in Philippians chapter four, verse six. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds everything, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. I believe Paul and Peter would would, would form a duet and tell us uh, as as a duet, don't panic during this pandemic pandemic. Pray during this pandemic because there's power in prayer. Look at what Paul said once again, Philippians 4 and 6. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Pray about that job. Pray about your bills. Pray about your rent. Pray about your mortgage. Pray. Pray that God keeps you employed. Pray that God keeps you COVID free. Pray. Pray about it. Pray for your children as they return to school. Pray for your spouse who may work in the Board of of Education or your friends or loved ones who work with the Board of Education. Pray. Don't, Don't panic. Pray because there's power in prayer. James even affirms that there's power in prayer when he told us the fervent effectual prayers of the righteous availeth much. And another translation puts it this way, that prayer has great power and produces wonderful results. There is power in prayer. And then Paul goes on to tell us in the Philippian text, in Philippians chapter 4, that sixth verse again, he, he tells us, don't worry about anything, instead pray about everything. And here it is, tell God what you need. Tell God what you need. If you need another stimulus check tell God what you need. If you need God to keep you employed, tell God what you need. If you need God to keep your streams of income flowing, tell God what you need. If you need God to heal your body of COVID-19, tell God what you need. Y'all remember that song that we sang? Uh, uh, We still sing it every now and then. Jesus is on the main line. Call him up. Tell him what you want. If you need your body healed, call him up. Tell him what you want. If you need your soul saved, call him up. Tell him what you want. Then we we really reiterate it and put great emphasis on it. Call him up. Call him up. Tell him what you want. That's what you do. Rather than panic, pray and tell God what you need. Casting all of our cares upon the Lord is is what we are to do. And Paul continues. Paul continues in Philippians chapter four, verse six. Watch what else he says. He says in that sixth verse, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need. And and thank him for all he has done. Thank him for all he has done done not only should we tell him what we need right now or what we need by the 1st or the 15th or the 28th but we need to thank God for what he has already done can you do that today can you thank God for what he has already done but let's be honest ain't nobody here but me and you I won't tell if you don't tell let's be honest sometimes anxiety sets in because we've temporarily forgotten some of the awesome things God has already done for us we can act as though the awesome things he's done in our lives have slipped our minds I know what that's like I'm not ashamed to admit it in fact I think I've told this story before. I went to visit my doctor once last year. True story. Went to visit my doctor last year, and he uh, somehow we we the conversation steered to him asking me this question: um, uh, "How old are you?" I said, "I'm 52." Uh, have you had a colonoscopy yet? I said, "No," and that's something I've been meaning to talk to you about because I know I should have had one by now. He said, "Are you sure? You sure you haven't had one?" I said, "Doc, I haven't. I haven't had a colonoscopy. That's that's something I know I should have had one by now." He said. You know, that's, that's not something you'd forget. you would forget. He said, excuse me, I'll be right back. He came back. He said, I knew I had ordered for you to have a, a, a colonoscopy. Here's the, reference, the referral sheet right here where I told you that to, uh, I, I, I ordered for you to have a, a colonoscopy. I said, well, if you ordered for me to have it and told me to have it, I must have had it. But, I'm, Doc, I'm telling you, I don't, I don't remember having a colonoscopy. He said, hold on. I'll be right back. He left the room, came back with pictures of my colon that were taken during my colonoscopy. You would think that you would vividly remember someone invading, entering an exit from your body with a camera, right, and then giving you a bill for it. you think you'd remember something like that. But the moment he showed me the picture, vivid, vivid details of that whole experience that I had to endure came back to my mind. I said, you know what? I did have one. He said, I know you Here, the pictures right here. And sometimes we can be like that with God. God can do something so awesome in your life and, and and you can just act as if you've forgotten all about it. And I believe I may be talking to somebody right now who's worrying and frantic and fretting over something that you, you don't know how it's going to be. You don't know Listen, you're facing some uncertain times, but I dare you, I encourage you, I implore you, to thank God for what He's already done. As a matter of fact, you may be just like I was in the doctor's office where I was asking for something that was already done. Don't ask God for something that's already done. I believe your miracle is already done. I believe signs and wonders for you are already done. I believe doors opening for you, no man can shut, are already done. I believe God making ways out of no way for you and your family are already already done I believe God placing a hedge of protection around your children is already done somebody ought to thank God in faith believing it's some stuff in my life that's already done I'm not going to worry I'm not going to fret I am going to praise God and thank him for what he's already done what I know is already done and what I believe is already done by faith Thank God for what he has already done. And then Paul tells us in that seventh verse of Philippians chapter four, he says in in verse seven, then you will experience God's peace. Not just any old peace, God's peace, not peace that the world gives and the world can take away. But God's peace It's a supernatural bestowal of God's peace. And Paul describes it as it, it exceeds anything we can understand. As we cast our cares upon the Lord, he replaces our panic with his peace. Paul said it will guard your hearts and your minds. We need to look toward our future as though our hearts and minds are guarded by God's peace rather than engulfed in a deliberating panic. But that's not all. That's not all. Look at that eighth verse. If you should happen to look at this Philippian text, look at that eighth verse because there's something very powerful that Paul tells us to do in Philippians four and eight. He says, fix your thoughts. Verse eight. Now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Paul is telling us. To control what we think about as if that is possible. Control what you think about. There's power in prayer. There's power in God's peace. And there is power in what you ponder. Paul told us again y'all fix your thoughts fix them control them fix your thoughts on things that's true honorable right pure lovely and admirable things that are excellent and worthy of praise do you want to know what are some true honorable right pure lovely and admirable things to ponder do you know what you can ponder that is excellent and worthy of praise think about what the Lord has done for other believers in your church family Think about the testimonies and stories of victory in the lives of the elder and the younger people in your church family. This is why intergenerational relationships are so important. They allow us to share and collect one another's stories. We are so horrible at storing and spreading gossip and rumors about one another. And doing so is ungodly and a waste of time and energy. We're better off, y'all we're better off spending time with the elders and the younger person so we can share and store testimonies of when the Lord made a way out of no way. And when the Lord opened doors, no man could shut. We, we need to invest in intergenerational relationships, people who are older than us, younger than us, uh, and share and store what the Lord has done in our lives. You can find strength in knowing what the Lord has done in the lives of your older and younger brothers and sisters in Christ. I, um, I, I keep my change. I, I save my change. When I get change from different places, I, I save my change. So I keep my pennies in one place and all my silver coinage uh, in another place, in a top secret location. I don't even think First Lady knows where, where I keep it. Uh, but here, here are my pennies, my, my pennies. And there's a bunch of them, whole bunch of whole bunch of pennies, whole bunch of, just a bunch of them. I don't know how much money is, is in this, but it's heavy. Is that many pennies, a whole lot of pennies. And I, I didn't get them overnight. I didn't get them overnight. I've collected these pennies. I collected these pennies over time. It's a whole bunch of them from all kinds of places. Some of them I found on the ground. Yeah, I'm that guy. I'm that guy who not only forgets he's had a colonoscopy, but if I see a penny laying on the ground, I don't care if his head's up or tail's up. I'm picking that penny up. Right. I'm, I keep them. And so, so I saved my pennies right here in this bag. And um, I filled this little bag up once before. I filled it up once before and took it to the credit union and put it in that machine. Man, years ago, remember when we had to roll these things up? But I, I took it to the machine and just dumped all my coins in there. And it told me how much money I had or it told me how much money it wanted me to think I had and gave me a little voucher so I could go do some stuff with it. But uh, I filled this up once before to the point where i 've had to empty it out, and now i 'm filling it up again with with all these all these pennies because for some people pennies have no value but to me especially when I've collected a whole bunch of them over time these pennies have an awful lot of value and some of us need to collect stories just like I've collected these pennies you just collect them over time some of them you just stumble upon stories of what God has done in other people's lives some of them you deliberately go and get them you sit down with people to, to hear their story of how God what God has done for them invest time in relationships with people who are older than you, whether they're baby boomers or people younger than you who may be in Generation Z. Spend time with these people because listen, I've collected so many stories of people over my life, even even these past uh, almost 18 years here at Union Grove. I've collected so many stories. They have enriched my life, they have strengthened me in my faith. I have stories of people who have defeated cancer. I have stories of people who move forward after burying their spouses, or parents, or children. I have stories of people who testify when the doctor said no, God said yes. I have stories of people who did not lose their home but, and, and continue to eat when they were out of work. I have my own stories of how the Lord made it possible for me to get to and from work when my car broke down when we were in Columbia, South Carolina. Listen, I got I got too many stories to panic. I, I got too many stories to, to, to let anxiety work on the fabric of my heart and my mind. Collecting such stories through intergenerational relationships, helps build mutual respect amongst the generations. It builds bridges of understanding. It helps trust to flow like life-giving blood through the arteries of intergenerational church families. Collecting one another's stories can also establish commonality as we see people across generations who may have gone through storms similar to our own, hearing someone else share what they went through when they had to move in the middle of the school year or when their parents got divorced or when they were bullied or was on academic probation can strengthen someone else, drain as they go through the exact same thing. And some of us who have a couple of sunrises and sunsets behind us, we would, we would be blown away by what some of our young people are going through, and they're only eight 11, 16, 21, but it would help us to know how to pray for one another and empathize with one another so that we can strengthen one another to resist the enemy who is seeking to devour us. So, but but we we, got to share these stories and we will never know the stories if we don't share them. We will never know one another's stories if we don't share them. We will never know about the struggles and the successes and the failures if you keep them to yourself. I can never ponder your story if I never hear it. All of us must understand that some of our victories come from our village. Not only can a village raise a child, a child can strengthen their own village. And Paul, Peter, back to the Peter text, Peter tells us what why we should cast all of our cares upon the Lord. He told us what to do about anxiety. Cast all your cares upon the Lord. Paul helped us to understand how to cast our cares upon the Lord. And now Peter is is chiming in and telling us why we should cast our cares upon the Lord. Peter simply says the Lord cares for you. Cast all your cares, your worries, your anxieties upon the Lord because God cares for you. This is what Peter shared with his brothers and sisters. Cast your cares upon the Lord because God cares for you. This may have been challenging for some of them to grasp. This may have been challenging. Not only would some of them like some of us would say, "Uh, if God cared about me so much, why would he let so many people hate me? That's a good question. But some of these others, the the Gentiles in, in Peter's audience, because they were saved Jews as well as Gentiles. Some of those Gentiles may have had a hard time, just like you may have a hard time believing God cares for me, that God cares for you. His Gentile brothers and sisters may have found it hard because they had—they very likely had roots in worshiping idols who were not perceived as caring deities directly involved in the personal affairs of the worshipers. The Gentiles who now follow Jesus probably found it hard to believe that God The father of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ was real and loving and caring and compassionate and merciful and kind and a present help in the time of trouble. They probably found it challenging to believe they followed a God who cared about them and their plight. But Jesus told all of us that the father cares about us. That's why the text was read earlier, Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 to 33. In Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 to 33, could you pick up on how many times Jesus made it clear that the Father values us, the Father cares for us? Jesus said in Matthew 6, 25, that is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life. Whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear, isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns for your heavenly father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? In other words, God cares for you. Then look at verse 28. And why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing. Yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you because God cares for you. then look at this, look at this, look at this. He says in verse 31, so don't worry about these things saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your heavenly father who cares for you already knows all your needs. Jesus taught us that God cares too much about us for us to be consumed with worry and anxiety. Anxiety is not to abide in the heart and mind of those of us who follow Christ. Jesus taught us anxiety does not benefit us at all. It it, it cannot add to our lives. And I'm a living witness that it can't make you no taller. It can't do it. It can't do it. It subtracts. In fact, anxiety subtracts from our lives rather than adds to it. Anxiety makes believers resemble the world rather than the people of God's kingdom. It reflects little faith rather than a faith that pleases God. God cares about you too much for you to be filled with anxiety. God cares for you. That's why Psalm 40 and 17 says, As for me, since I am poor and needy, let the Lord keep me in his thoughts. You are my helper and savior, O oh my God, do not delay. That's why Isaiah 49 and 13 says, Sing for joy, O heavens, rejoice, O earth, burst into song, O mountains, for the Lord has comforted his people and will have compassion on them in their suffering. Yet Jerusalem says, The Lord has deserted us, the Lord has forgotten us. "'Never can a mother forget her nursing child. "'Can she feel no love for the child she has born? "'But even if that were possible, I would not forget you. "'See, I have written your name on the palms of my hands.'" That's what God is saying to his people. Matthew ten twenty nine says, what is the price? It's Jesus. What is the price of two sparrows, one copper coin? But not one single sparrow can fall to the ground without your father knowing it. And the very hairs on your head are all numbered. So don't be afraid. You are more valuable to God than a whole flock of sparrows. And I need someone who has seen numerous risings and settings of the sun to pray the word that's found in Psalm 71, 18. Now that I am old and gray, do not abandon me, O God. Let me proclaim your power to this new generation, your mighty miracles to all who come after me. Cast all your cares upon the Lord because he cares about you. Yes, yes, you, God, cares about you. You. He cares for you. In fact, if God had a job, your picture would be on his desk. God cares about you. If God had an office, if God had an office, pictures of you and him together with his son would be on his credenza. God cares about you. If God, if God had a kitchen, if God had a kitchen, pictures of you and his son would be all over his refrigerator. Because God cares about you. If God had an iPhone, if God had an iPhone, we know he wouldn't have an Android. But if God had an iPhone, pictures of you and him and his son would be on his screensaver because God cares about you. In fact, God cares so much about you that He sent His only begotten Son to die for your sins. Romans chapter five verse eight New Living translation says, "But God showed His great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. God cares for you. And he's already shown you. You may be looking for God to show you that he cares. Maybe you question if God cares about you because of all the stuff that he's allowing to happen in your life. But I would encourage you to understand God showed you how much he cares about you way back on Calvary. When Christ had the crown of thorns on his head, God was saying, I care about you. When Christ had nails in his hands, God God the Father was saying, I care about you. When Christ had a nail in his feet, God was saying, I care about you. When Christ was beaten beyond all recognition, God the Father was saying, I care about you. When Christ was bleeding from from everywhere in his body, God was saying, I care about you. And one day, one day, and even now as Christ is interceding, sitting at the right hand of the Father, interceding for the saints, Jesus is praying for you right now. He's praying that you'd have peace, praying that you'd make it, pray that he's praying that you'd be faithful. He's praying that you would turn to God, turn from your wicked ways, repent of your sins, and trust God. Jesus right now at this very moment is showing how much he cares for you by praying for you and one day he's going to show the whole world how much he cares about all of us because one day he's coming back he's coming back and when he comes back we shall be with him where he is forever and ever don't listen don't question if God cares about you God cares about you and in fact when Christ comes back there's a glory waiting for us there is there is a glorified existence a valuable weighty existence that paul describes in romans chapter 8 verse 18 he says listen this glory can't compare to nothing nothing that you're going through right now can compare to the glory that awaits you when we shall see christ again yet what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory he will reveal to us later first john three and two says dear friends we are already god's children but has not yet shown us what we will be like when Christ appears but we do know that we will be like him for we will see him as he really is listen God God has sh- already shown you how much he cares God is showing you now how much he cares God will show you in the future how much he cares but you may be saying but Pastor Clark that's all well and good that that pie in the sky theology of what God is going to do when we get to him that's alright but my rent is due now my lights are about to be cut off now my child has to return to school tomorrow I still got to go to work tonight or tomorrow all of that is good my rent is due on the first they're killing our black men today but listen I I, I got you I got you because I had this conversation. I, I knew some of y'all would be thinking like that that's why I had this conversation with this old cat this this real old dude. some of y'all some of y'all may know him he He, he told me about all the injustices he endured he, he knew firsthand about police brutality, hunger and being hated. He knew what it was like to have plenty of money. he knew what it was like to be dead broke, but he told me how God kept coming through for him time and time again, and he told me to tell y'all, and this same God who takes care of me will supply all. All your needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus, because God has given us to them in Christ Jesus. This is how intergenerational relationships help us. The same God who took care of our parents, our grandparents, our great grandparents, that same God is able to take care of you. The same God who took care of Moses nem, can take care of you. The same God who took care of Joshua nem, can take care of you. The same God who took care of David, nem, uh, Daniel, nem, Shadrach, Meshach, and that bad Negro, that same God can take care of you. The same God who took care of Peter, Paul, James, John, that same God is able to take care of you. He takes care of us. And I just need to ask somebody, won't he do it? Won't he do it? Won't he? I need some witnesses to chime in and, and just put something in the comment section and just bear witness. He will do it. He will do it. But Just type in the comment section, I'm a living witness. God will take care of you don't worry about your your life don't worry about anything God will take care of you can anybody who's not as young as they used to be bear witness that you may have been young at one time but now that you're a little older you've never seen God forsake the righteous come on tell tell somebody I I I need some older women who raise their children as single mothers and, and shared their story and talk and, and tell somebody, God will take care of you. I need some people who are retired now, but when they were working and lost jobs, got laid off, I need you to tell those of us who are still working, God will take care care of you. I need some cancer survivors to testify God is still able to heal and deliver from sickness and disease. I need someone whose AIDS is now undetectable to to testify God will take care of you. And if God has been good to you, don't you keep it to yourself. Don't you keep it to yourself. Tell your story. Tell someone older than you. Tell someone younger than you. And when you're told to cast all your cares upon the Lord, do it. When you're told to pray instead of panic, do it. When they tell you to tell the Lord what you want, Do it. When they tell you there's power in your prayer, then pray. When they tell you to ponder what he's done for others, then ponder that. And if your shepherd, who is older than some, younger than others, tells you to share your story, then I need you to do it. Because God will take care of you. Be not dismayed. Whatever be tied, God will take care of you of you and if he's been doing it i need you to bear witness and just let somebody know god will take care of you amen amen be strong against anxiety i would venture to believe god's been too good to you for you to let anxiety to get the best of you god will take care of you this has been Dr. David Anthony Clark of the Union Grove Missionary Baptist Church of Warner Robins, Georgia. We thank you for listening. If you're ever in the Middle Georgia area, please worship with us. On the behalf of Dr. Clark and the Union Grove family, thank you for listening.